Yeah, you're good to go. Hello, and welcome to the Other 99% podcast, where we take a step back from the 1% gains that society has become obsessed with, and instead talk about the other 99%. Throughout this series, we'll discuss everything from nutrition to sleep, training methods, work-life balance, leadership, and mental health. Tommy, welcome back. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. It's been a pretty stressful week, but um, made it to the weekend. How about yourself? Uh, I think probably the same. Um, I don't think it's going to become less stressful uh, over the weekend, but um, yeah, like it's been a week, as they say. What have you got plans over the? Are you you working over the weekend? Are you? Yeah, working over the new weekend. New job fully kicks off on Monday, so um, excited, but just you know a lot to sort out. So um, yeah, when you, yeah, it's all, it's all positive stuff. Did you start on Thursday? Was it? Wednesday had like the training and and all that sort of stuff from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then um, sort of kicks off properly on Monday. So that's like the good bit, you know, when when you're actually doing the job. So it's it's definitely excitement, but I think um, we've sort of spoken about in episodes before. When you start something new, there is a level of apprehension uh, around something new. So um, excited, but maybe a little bit apprehensive or nervous as well. Nice. What's been on for you? Um, so obviously I'm still working at City at the moment and I'm working as a contractor so I interviewed for the job I'm currently doing but as a permanent position on when was it on Thursday or Friday Thursday I think it was um, so just prepping for that I had to do a presentation um, but yeah interviews are just stressful aren't they um, so it was, it was that just alongside like a normal work week but we've got Sunday and Monday off this week, which is nice. So I've got a couple of days to to relax a bit now because it's international break. Are you finding it okay to fit your training in around that sort of stuff? Yeah, I'm still like I keep waking up pretty early still, so I'm getting up at half five, six ish in training each morning. Um, my issue is I need to train a bit less or do a bit more okay. cardio. What are you? Um, what kind of stuff are you doing in your training at the moment? We actually had some some questions come in about this about kind of the stuff that that we're doing in our own training and our own personal sort of um goals so talk us through that like what what are you doing at the moment so right now so i always this is one of the issues i get in my training is because i program online for some of my clients i like to trial their like upcoming blocks to have a go at the sessions myself before i send them out um and i spent a lot of time experimenting with like different training splits so all your typical ones like um upper lower legs push pull um and then i've been playing around with some really high frequency ones so at the moment um i have like it's a monday to friday program that i've been trialing some main squat on a monday accessory squat on a tuesday main deadlift on a wednesday accessory squat on a thursday accessory deadlift on a friday um i don't know what's a main squat and what's an accessory squat it says in that, that kind of terminology comes from powerlifting, I think, but like your, your competition list would be like your main ones or the ones that you're really trying to get stronger. So you train those at slightly higher intensities. And then the secondary ones um, are movements that are similar, but I just train them at lower intensities. 
so I'd, like the first block I've written, the main um, the main movement squat deadlift is starting off with sets of ten, and the secondary one starting off with sets of twelve. Um, so just just train them at slightly lower intensity and a bit further from failure. Nice. That sounds like intense. Anything that's sort of 10, 12 plus in terms of reps. I think you actually titled one of your Instagram videos cardio when you managed to get to like 18 reps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> set. <laughs> but um, for, obviously for muscle building, anywhere between 6 and 15, which is like the primary goal I, I train for, um, is, is good as long as you get as long as you do get close enough to failure. Um, and I'm still using like a set to failure on the last set of each exercise to auto regulate load each week um so it, it is a hard program i i feel like it's going to burn people out but we'll we'll see yeah again it comes down to like how they're recovering and the nutrition around that doesn't it yeah yeah uh, all the stuff we spoke about before like you need plenty of sleep it probably wouldn't work too well in like a big calorie deficit um but yeah we'll see how people get on with it yeah i'm um i'm halfway through now the the sunny webster six week squat program yeah um i'm really enjoying it i mean i'm loving not thinking about training yeah it's like nice, I, isn't it? i've got my days that i'm going into the gym and i know i know that it's you know it's the program's focused on lower body so i know i'm going to be squatting at some point or deadlifting but i don't need to plan any session so the night before i just click on the website there's my session brilliant that's what i'm doing tomorrow um and it's taken the whole like thought process kind of part out of my training and i've loved relinquishing that you know not yeah. having to spend time on it is brilliant um i have enjoyed some of the variations he's put in as well um in terms of like varying the difficulty he loves a pause squat yeah i haven't used pause squats in so long um but they're a really good challenge. I find my, you know, almost like fighting with myself to see how how much longer I can hold that pause um, each time. I haven't done another one rep max test yet, um, so probably another couple of weeks away from that. Um, but yeah, it's been really good. Like three three times a week. Um, Is that overall, I haven't quite managed to do that. Um, I've had time at the weekend, so. I've had a session at the weekend as well um, to to put one in. So I've, I've got the last one of this week on on tomorrow. Um, but I found the overall like session length like, less. And I, I text you when I started it. I was like, oh, these first couple of sessions have actually been almost like less than I was doing before I started the program. I was almost a bit disappointed because I thought I was going to be like, really smashing myself every single session yeah. um which is not that he like conducts his sessions at all um so i found that quite an interesting way of, of putting together a plan like as they go forward they've definitely got more challenging um but like the overall session intensity i would say is lower but each set intensity is higher okay yeah because um, um for strength you'd actually you don't need to train as close to failure as you do for hypertrophy um but obviously like there's a big skill component so like those slightly lower intensities of everything failure and like the pause squats and that kind of stuff really dial in your technique and then go to the higher intensities it sounds like that's how he's kind of like programmed out those six weeks yeah exactly that and it, it all makes perfect sense it's just i i like going to exercise to yeah. work as hard as I possibly can for the amount of time yeah. that i'm in there 
sessions. It's also the kind of release. Um, so I sort of finished the first couple of sessions. And I was like, well, I've still got loads of energy. Um, like, I, I need more. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case tomorrow. Tomorrow looks quite tough. Um, but, um, yeah, like, I think I'll stick with having somebody else program for me for a while. Yeah, yeah, it does make it a lot easier. Obviously, that's part of like the topic we're going to talk about today is um, making things as easy as possible for habit change. But we'll we'll come on to that in a bit. What what was your goal again at the end of this program? Was it like a one sixty, one seventy squat? Uh, it was a one six eight. One six, yeah. I thought it was according to uh, the kind of auto generated stuff. I I don't know if I feel confidence go higher than that or not. Um, I haven't lifted at sort of above 90% of my load consistently like for a long time. So I think actually learning to lift at that intensity will be quite important for the final two weeks of the the plan. But when I started the plan, I had a little bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a hiccup because it's, it's brilliant service. Like you get an email and it says, oh, um, it's, it's, fr- it's titled from Sunny Webster and it says, uh, you know, one of our coaches will will be in touch with you to chat about your goals and the plan and kind of explain it. I thought, brilliant, you know, they, they just want to check in and, yeah. and that's quite because you are paying for it. But it said one of our coaches um, and I absolutely choked because he called me and I was like, oh, oh, oh my God, I'm, I'm, on, I'm having a phone call with Sunny. Uh, words. And he, I just, yeah, I, I didn't handle that very well. I got like a bit starstruck, if I'm honest. <laughs> what did he ask you? What did he actually say to him? Uh, well, he was just talking about goals and stuff, and that was absolutely fine. Um, but I I think had I known it was him, I I probably would have dived a little bit deeper into what was coming up in the final weeks of the, the plan and yeah. and sort of queried a few more of the methods, because I think some of it's quite clear it's looking to upsell to his Olympic lifting programme, like yeah. the only deadlift use as a snatch grip deadlift um there's a lot of overhead squatting there's a lot of sots press and that sort of thing so it is very much geared towards preparing your body for olympic lifting yeah um i probably would have challenged that as a like a training method just to improve my squat which is what this plan is supposed to do um you know i wouldn't necessarily use those exercises myself but equally that's been one of the benefits of doing it is i've done like a few different movements yeah, he's, he's big on he's big on mobility, isn't he? So he produces that as well. Yeah, massive. And and we spoke about it with Will, um, our physio episode, didn't we? About moving away from just having three exercises that we go to in the gym. So yeah, yeah like having that variety has been really good. And I've I've actually felt strong as a result. So yeah, I again starting the episode off selling somebody else's work, but I, yeah, I'd definitely give it a go. <laughs> I still reckon my program is better. Just saying, sorry, Sonny. <laughs> you can still come on the podcast <laughs> if you want. <laughs> Exceptional. Um, so this week we were going to talk about um, another book that we've read or listened to. We, I think we both did the audio book, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I've I've got the last chapter to go, but you can fill us in on that one. I'll be honest. I didn't love the audio book experience. No, I th- do you know what I found the start of it was like wow this information is golden like I was so into it and then it kind of um, I, don't, I guess the more practical bit I didn't find quite as interesting as like the earlier theoretical stuff I don't know you, did you yeah. find it similar or yeah I think so I made a lot of notes on the early chapters and maybe a little bit less 
on the second because they became a little bit more contextual for the individual. Um, yeah. So the book about is Atomic Habits. And um, I think when you're reading something to talk about, like when we did our episode on Jordan Peterson, if, if there was a really good bit of information or something quite challenging or needed a bit of interpretation, it was quite easy to just reread that page and, and make the notes and kind of absorb the information. But I found with the audio book, I was listening to it, you know, if I was driving and then yeah. a, a good snippet information went through, I was like, oh, oh trying to get oh, back 15 that. seconds then had to kind of scroll back later and, and find it so yeah i think for me i'm going to go back to books um because you can always share them on can't you but audio books was a bit um yeah i didn't love it yeah like the appealing thing about audio books for me is like if i'm walking to the gym or like on the tram to work and that kind of stuff i can just have it on whereas with a book yeah. It, like I find you need to like sit there and read it otherwise you just get too distracted yeah yeah um but that's actually part of what we're talking about isn't it so this atomic habits um one of the the key things that came from this for me was he was he was talking about behaviors and and how our basically 90 percent of the things we do is habitual like the way we brush our teeth the way we get dressed in the morning the shoe we put on first each time you know all these things are habits that we don't necessarily realize that we have and i think i've started to notice them a little bit more just because that that comment like prompted me to um to, to consider it a little bit more um so he sort of broke down habit into four um four different things didn't he which was um q craving response reward and that's how habits are formed um what did you kind of take from from that yeah the, the the main thing that i took from that which is which is what stuck with me is if you're trying to make a new habit like setting up that cue to start with is a really good way to form those habits so obviously we talk a lot about gym on here so like if you're trying to create a habit of going to the gym have all your gym stuff set up so you either get up in the morning and it's the first thing you do or like if you if you're doing it at the end of the day like still have your gym stuff so you can come back put your gym clothes on go to the gym um like having that cue in place so then those other three things follow sequentially behind it it was a really useful tip for me for um trying to form new habits yeah so the i think the cue is was quite important wasn't it it's the this the external stimulus um that that sort of um drives us to perform an action or a behavior so if you smell nice food you might yeah. feel hungry um or if you see food in the fridge you're like oh i'm hungry now just because you've seen it your brain is like yeah that's the cue to eat because i've seen the food i'm hungry now or i've seen my gym kit i'm hung you know I, I'm, I'm gonna go and work out um and i liked the way that he phrased it about um people saying to him this is james clear by the way i don't think we said the name of the author um he said that people call him hyper organized and he said that he's not he's just lazy in advance which i actually really liked as a thing you know he just made things as easy as possible and we'll talk about that a little bit more later about um like yeah just basically being lazy in advance and how you need to make everything as easy as possible otherwise you're not going to form that new habit yeah yeah definitely 
Um, and it was it was quite reaffirming, I thought, because he talks about a lot of the things that we've spoken about before, about having systems in place. And I actually I stole a quote um, from him that says you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems because anybody can have a goal. But if you don't have any systems in place, you're always going to revert back to your default setting. So yeah. this idea of um, changing those systems to help you create better habits to lead you towards your goals. I actually really liked that kind of um, that phrasing. Do you, do you know what else I was thinking while I was listening to this? I, I can't recall a time where I've ever intentionally tried to make a new habit and go, go but obviously I haven't read this book before. But I don't like, have you ever intentionally created a, a new habit or, or not? Um, I don't know. I think I've always done it subconsciously. So, yeah. you know, I've always, oh, I want to, I, I, you know, I've started a new job. I need to exercise. Uh, you know, I need to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. And then I've just done things that, you know, I set the alarm on my watch, so it vibrates, and then I have an alarm on my phone and I have to yeah. get up to turn my alarm on my phone off. So I'm actually out of bed. So that would be one of those really good systems that he spoke about. I just sort of did it because it seemed practical at the time. Yeah, I don't think I ever thought this is now what I'm going to do. But having heard the book and listened to the book, I'm 100% trying to implement those things. Yeah, he had, um, like obviously we spoke about this before on this podcast, is we both had a go at meditation. Like you've been doing the um, Wim Hof breathing exercises and I've been trying the, the Headspace and Calm app. Do you know, I've actually stuck more of the Calm app, but um, he had a really useful tip in one of those later chapters about... Um, like when you're trying to create a new habit, some other tips and tricks you can use, um, which was, I don't know if you want to get onto that yet, or if we want to work our way through the book. Let's go with it. So, so it, was, it was talking about the two minute rule. So like when, when you're trying to start or create a new habit, just tell yourself you're going to do it for two minutes. And then after a while, you'll start to do it for longer and longer. But in the beginning stages, that's a really good place to start. And he gave the example of this guy that lost a hundred pounds over two years. And to start with, he just spent five minutes in the gym each day. And then after a while, he was like, I'm coming here all the time anyway. I might as well spend a bit longer in the gym. And then two years later, he'd obviously got into the habit of working out and had lost £100. Um, I think you can apply that to the gym as well, because like everyone goes all in. Like I'm going to gym every day. But yeah, like starting with something like that. And I think that's what I need to do with um, the headspace and meditation stuff. Just start with two minutes each day and then and then build from there. Because that's what he was speaking about with falling to the level of your system. So that that chap who this was, you know, lost all that weight. He, although he was only going there for five minutes, his identity had changed. He became the type of person that didn't miss workouts. He yeah. became the type of person that went to the gym four times a week. Now the length was almost irrelevant at that point because he had he changed that internal like dialogue with it, you know, within himself. And I think that's a, a sort of recurring theme throughout this book that it's more important how you identify yourself with your habits as opposed to like the goal setting yeah i agree yeah um, but then not to beat yourself up with that as well um i i like i saved this quote as well because i thought sometimes it's quite demoralizing you know if you try and set a new habit i'm thinking january 1st here and um, by january 10th like you've broken your habit um, we've broken your challenge and it says you don't need a unanimous victory there will be votes for both sides you just need a majority the same is true of your habits so if you're doing 
your habit or you're, you're setting these cues and you're responding in the right way most of the time, then you will form these habits and they will become autonomous. Yeah. The, the, the quote I really like to summarise what we just spoke about was the most effective way to change your habits is not to focus on what you want to achieve, but focus on the person you want to become. So I think that's an amazing quote and a good place to start. And we spoke about this on previous podcasts as well, but I think I'm still trying to figure out who that person is for me, trying to figure out the person I want to become. I feel like I've got more of an idea since I've been working at Man City on what I want to do with my life going forwards. Um, and then, yeah, build, building from there. But we said before as well that that's something that's important to change. Like your values will shift as as you get older. Um, uh, and I think that's important as well, just to have that kind of awareness of, we, you know, with the diet episode we spoke, I don't want to lose weight. It's I want to be the person that eats healthy food. Yeah. You know, there's a real difference between how those things are, are presented within ourselves. Um, and, and becoming the type of person that eats healthy food, well, inevitably you will lose weight. You know, um, so yeah, I enjoyed that. But um, there are some quite interesting um, ways to kind of start habits because I think that was something that you know oh, I've got this goal or I want to do something. I want to become the type of person that that works out. Or well, how do I do that? And and he spoke about habit stacking, um, and. Uh, I'll sort of quote a little bit. He spoke about the Diderot effect when you're purchasing things. And um, if we talk about like moving house, which I've done recently, like when you move house and you think, right, we need a new sofa, that that one purchase leads to another purchase, leads to another purchase. Uh, and you sort of get this snowball effect because you're yeah. like, right, well, we've got the sofa, but you need a table that goes next to it and you need a footstool and you need a a, a lamp and all that sort of thing. Um, so this chap, Diderot, um, but long story short, he had no money, made all his money and then lost it all just doing these purchases, um, which were, I, it was quite amusing. But the the theory behind that was quite good. So um, it was talking about adding new habits to things you already habitually do. Yeah. So um, as we move into winter, um this is a really random one, but I need to moisturise my face because I work outdoors a lot and I get really dry skin. I'm useless at putting moisturiser on. I probably do it once every six weeks. Um, but, you know, I brush my teeth every evening. That's something that already exists. So putting the moisturiser next to my toothbrush, I've added that habit onto another habit that already exists. So that, that's what he bit stacking so if you you take the thing that you want to start doing and put it on something that you already are doing um you know you cook dinner and you want to not eat out for lunch the next day well i'm already cooking dinner i'll cook a little bit extra and put it in a tupperware yeah you know, you're not having to extra for that there's no extra effort but you're starting to to initiate these new processes yeah i've heard that called scaffolding before as well is that that's what you've yeah. heard to the psychology literature um the other really good example I heard of that is like um, it, it's similar to the ones that you gave. Like instead of just saying I'm going to do this habit at any time, attach it to something you already do. So like if you drop the kids off at school, then you could go straight to the next habit you're trying to do. Instead of just saying oh, I'm going to work out at four o'clock every day, which is a bit less like it's not as a, like you said, not attached to anything you already currently do. So it's harder to adopt. 
Yeah, and then also being really specific with that. So he was saying in the book they compared two groups uh, of people and they just said, right, you need to to increase uh, the amount that you're going to work out. And one group was told to write down that they were going to increase it. So they just put on a piece of paper, I'm going to work out more. Yeah. And the other group wrote, I'm going to work out more. I'm going to work out at this time in this location and I'm going to do this thing so yeah. they had three stages and they were very specific about that and it was uh pull the stat sort of out of nowhere but it was it was almost 100 percent more effective for people that that gave a very specific time and a very specific location so like saying i'm going to drop the kids off at eight o'clock in the morning and then i'm going to go to the gym straight from there so your habit stacking and your listing are really specific times so we're starting to build on on existing habits already yeah that reminds me of that other section of the book where I went on to talk about like breaking a goal down to like the most like the smallest actionable step to help help avoid procrastination, which is similar to what you're just saying in terms of like the detail of it. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the examples you gave now. Like, say you want to run a marathon. To do that, you need like I mean, you work back from that. You break it down to the smallest actionable step, which is you just need to put your trainers on and go outside and do a run. Like breaking your big goals down to the smallest actionable step is a really good way to avoid that procrastination. Yeah, and they talk about it in um, in the One Thing, which is a book that I read um, during lockdown, and it's about kind of avoiding procrastination and habit formation and things like that. And and it's like you said, when you when you take your ultimate goal, so um, they use like writing a book. I want to write a book. Well, the book is. 300 pages well i can't do that right now so what can i do i, I don't want to write 100 pages i want to write a page i'm going to write a sentence like that's yeah. the thing that you can do right now to get you closer to your book and that links into your two minute um statement from earlier as well you're going to write for two minutes you're going to write a sentence maybe two sentences okay done yeah, but yeah. that's fine um but then once you've already started writing over time, you start writing more and more and more um, and, and it builds on top of that. And I think we do need to make that really clear to people listening to this. But when you're starting a new habit, like be realistic with what you're expecting to achieve. You're you're not going to crack this immediately, particularly if you're trying to undo a habit that already exists. And I think well, we'll come to that in a little bit, but that's obviously harder than starting something new because you're trying to remove the existing and replace it with something new at the same time. So yeah, being really realistic with those things and setting those really minute systems, not goals, but really minute systems early on. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably good, good time to move on to the breaking habits, isn't it? Yeah. Um, one of the I things really like environmental... The story... I really like the story about the smokers. Do you remember we were talking about him being on holiday? Yeah, but you've obviously got a, a better a better memory than I do. Um, go for it. Much if I can remember that well now. But he was he was away with a group of friends, and at some point in time, they had all smoked, um, and like none of them wanted to smoke, and they'd all ended up quit, quitting. But they ended up quitting by, um, it's like the opposite of creating a habit instead of making it as easy as possible you make it as difficult as possible so i can't remember the exact example he gave for the smoking but he gave some the ones that i can't remember he talked about gambling you can ring bookies and ask them to block you so you can't place any bets uh, he also spoke about 
people trying to make weight, like fighters getting close to their fight, and they'd leave their wallet at home so they couldn't buy food on their walk back um, past the fast food shops and stuff. So, yeah, it's just yeah. the reverse of the first habit. Make it as difficult as possible to do the habit you're trying to break. Yeah, and his term was to create friction. Yeah. Um, and I, I really liked that. And I enjoyed his TV example where he said, you know, if you want to reduce the amount of TV you watch, like take the batteries out of the remote. So in yeah. order to watch TV, you've actually increased the amount of steps that it takes for you to get there. Um, I think at his most extreme, he was like, unplug your TV and put it in the yeah. cupboard. Yeah. If you want to watch TV, you've actually got to physically get it out, plug it in. Oh, right. Well, I'm probably not going to bother doing it then. Because yeah. um, humans, we're, you know, we're like water. We, we take the easiest path that's available to us. And he spoke quite a lot about the environmental cues. So trying to create habits in the correct room. So let's say you're you're fortunate enough and you've got a few a few extra rooms in your house um, and you always watch TV in the living room. If you're trying to create a new habit of like reading, trying to do it in the room that you watch TV in is going to be very difficult because as you walk in there, you, the cue is the TV and the response is is to turn the TV on and um, the reward is is watching whatever it is that, that you have. So taking that environmental element out of creating this new habit, I think is really important. So it's almost, well, I think equally important what not to do as to what to do. Yeah, yeah. Don't do it in that certain place. If you want to get better at work, don't do it at your dining table where you eat because you'll sit there and your cue is dining table, the craving is food, and the response is to go and get something out of the fridge. Yeah. He gave some really good examples as well of um, like you do those things because like talk about the food one for example like um, you have this like built-in mechanism where obviously you don't want to starve and you're thinking about survival but that's not the reason you give but that's what drives those behaviours but you can fulfil that like basic human need with other stuff so he gave the example of you want to feel loved so you like swipe on Tinder or whatever I, I don't think he gave that example but it was that kind of thing. Um, it's an insight, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but you, you can um, you can replace that with other more uh, useful habits, I guess. Yeah, and I think the food one's really important because a lot of people that that listen to this are wanting to make a start in fitness and health, and and food is just such a big part of that. And um, I actually really enjoyed the part of his book where he spoke about food scientists. And I think it's something that as soon as you hear, you're like, oh, of course, but but actually, um, unless it's sort of presented to you, you don't necessarily think about it. And it's the, the term he used was scientists create food with a high dynamic contrast, which combines crunchy, creamy, crispy and fluffy. Uh, and it basically keeps your brain more interested in food. So when we when we eat, um, I don't know, like a, a donut or something, or a filled donut. Um, it's got all those things, um, or a chocolate bar. It, it has all those things. And he said, you know, how does your 17th mouthful of kale um, taste? Yeah. So our brain so old. We've still got so much of our original um, sort of Neanderthal brain that when we get these foods with a high dynamic con contrast we're thinking yes we need all these calories right now because we don't know when we're going to get our next food we you know are we going to survive to our next meal if we don't eat loads of this food now 
of course that's not the case anymore because we have calories everywhere we look we've got lots of food opportunities in society um so in terms of like removing the opportunity to even start eating those foods yeah. i think is really important like buy portioned food like individually packet um packaged stuff so that you know you don't eat one cookie and then end up eating four because it's got that high dynamic contrast and your brain sort of tricks itself into thinking that it needs them all when it doesn't so if you if you sort of help yourself with that by reducing the cue you'll reduce the craving over time as well yeah even in the individual packets i'm getting through the whole pack i just need to <laughs> not, i just need to not buy it or just buy like one thing just can't help yeah because it is tough, but then our brains are wired to to want the sort of more um, concentrated version of everything. So, you know, with food, it's the really fatty, rich, dense foods that our brain kind of enjoys the most. And a lot of those are artificial nowadays, or at least processed in some way. Um, it's the same with with alcohol as well. Um, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, liquor being stronger than than beer or wine or wine being stronger than beer and and our brain sort of craves that that stronger um version of the substance that we're giving it regardless of what it is but i actually thought the um the the, the sort of example of alcohol was was quite interesting with that because he then went on to talk about the dopamine feedback loop um do you want to tell our listeners basically what dopamine is to begin with before we crack on with that um dopamine is like the feel good uh i want to say neurotransmitter is it a neurotransmitter hormone hormone um so yeah like and we're, we're constantly like when you get a notification in your phone like that's sending a signal to all of your like dopamine receptors to like want to open it and look at it because you get that hit of dopamine that makes you feel good um that's yeah my my basic understanding with a slight butchering about neurotransmitters in there. Yeah, perfect. So like when when we get this dopamine, we feel good. Um, and basically what he was talking about was we can get more of a dopamine spike from the anticipation of something than we can from the actual action. So I actually think this, um, and as soon as he said it again, I realized that I do that with online shopping. Like when you order something, you're like, yes, I cannot wait. Like you're almost, you know, you're excited for this thing to come. And it's like, um christmas day or new year's eve like you really look forward to those events or those um particular things that you've ordered or whatever it is and like the food as well you can actually crave it and get more of a hit from that craving than you can from actually engaging with the activity itself um so when we get that that dopamine spike we almost like see it as an opportunity to be rewarded so like the cue is the food um you want the calories so you get the craving you eat the food that's the reward and then it, it just goes through again very very quickly yeah. um but that's a bit on a, a chemical level within our bodies we're actually fighting ourselves with some of these so i think i'm i'm bringing this up as a point to to like not blame yourself and not have a go at yourself if if you do slip up or it doesn't go the way you wanted it to because like we are hardwired to do like exactly what we are doing um so to change to shift it to be more productive is sometimes really really difficult yeah like like you said before i can't remember what your quote was but it was like you just need more wins and losses and like on balance you'll win out yeah exactly that um 
but I think the 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 next thing that came out of it was the environment that that you're in is is really um, important. So if you're in an environment where you sit at lunchtime and all your colleagues order in food, uh, let's say you're you're much more likely to order in food as well because that's what people are doing. We are we are pack people. We want to be part of uh, a group. We're not you know wired to want to stand out so thinking you know i want to make a change i want to lose weight if i'm in a group of people that always orders lunch in and it's not healthy you actually need to remove yourself from that group in order to to like start that new behavior yeah you, you've just jogged my memory here this this part of the book was actually fascinating wasn't it so um, you know when they put them in a room with like one person or a group of people was like gradually increasing numbers and what was that they, they were trying to decide if like a bit of string was the same length or something weren't they is that what yeah, they did? and they were not the same length. So you've got one that's 10 centimetres and one yeah. that's 15 centimetres. And if it was one on one and you said it, they were the same length, I'd be like, well, you're stupid. Um, yeah. And I'm correct. And if it was 1v2, yeah, okay, you guys are a bit odd. Uh, I'm still correct. But it started to go up from four. So if four more people were insistent that these pieces of string were the same length, then the person who was um, not the control subject would start to agree with them, even though they knew that it was wrong. And the the larger that group got, so when it went up to eight, um, they got the same response. They still agreed with the rest of the group, but that conformity happened much, much faster. Yeah. So the, the type of environment you're in can have just such a huge impact without you even consciously deciding that you're gonna fit in. Yeah. it's already shifted your entire behavior and made you like go against something that you know to be true just because you want to fit in with the with the group it's like you said we're tribe people yeah you just want to you want to you'd rather be wrong and fit in the group in with the group than be right and stand out on your own yeah um which sort of led on like when we when he started talking about the the kind of practical examples so we've spoken about the environment we've spoken about um the the people that you surround yourself with we've spoken about what a habit is it, it's a cue it's a craving it's a reward um and uh, sorry a response and a reward so he sort of started to talk about like ways that we as people can practically implement these things into our lives and and actually the first thing he spoke about was how we sort of kid ourselves that we're doing something and he called it motion and action now motion is basically planning for change so my plan to help me become someone that wants to eat more healthily is i'm going to have these meals at these times um i'm going to meal prep etc etc now that's planning that's motion i'm saying that i'm going to do those things but the action is actually implementing it am i batch cooking and am i eating those meals um or am i not you know planning uh, to set your alarm for five o'clock so that you can go and work out planning to set your kit out in the evening if you don't actually do those things we're stuck in kind of a perpetual motion um which we think is really beneficial because our minds are consumed with this positive habit that we're going to to do but we're not actually living it we're not being true to our identity that we want to become we're, we're sort of faking almost yeah the thing that really hit home on this um, topic for me was always searching for the optimal thing and I do it all of the time with um, gym programming. I'm always like searching for the most like unique, novel and like optimal way of 
of doing something and it actually doesn't exist. So like it's a complete. Um, what's the word? Like helpless pursuit of looking for this optimal thing because it's, it's not there. Um, so that, that really hit home for me and like, obviously in the gym context, I don't struggle with the action part, but the quote that he talked about was, I'm going to butcher this as well, but it was like, perfect is the enemy of good. Is that the quote that comes out of that? Yeah. Um, yeah, like nothing's ever going to be optimal. Like good is good enough is what you're aiming for. Yeah. Um, and I think on top of that, when you talk about good and perfect, it's the idea of satisfaction that's important. Um, if what we're trying to do as people with these habits isn't satisfying, it doesn't compute in our mind as a reward. So it's not going to cement itself as a habit. So if the only way that you're going to find this thing satisfying is if it's perfect, it's actually the wrong kind of behavior to be trying to introduce. It needs to be satisfying on a on a number of different levels. And the the argument um, or the example he gave was totally rogue, but again, made complete sense, was toothpaste. So the flavor of toothpaste has zero impact on its efficiency or its its ability to clean your teeth, but it's satisfying to have like a minty fresh mouth. So yeah. you clean your teeth because you want like good breath and your mouth to feel nice. Like it's a satisfying thing for us to do. So when we're thinking about those other habits, we need to make it enjoyable in some way. Otherwise it's going to become very, very difficult to embed them in the long term. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, do you remember when they had a problem with like I think it was men like weeing on the floor in like public bathrooms and they tried yeah, to they... Um, yeah yeah they tried to put up signs to like educate them about um like um I can't remember like why it was bad for health or whatever um but yeah like you said they ended up just putting like little flies on the back of them to aim for so obviously yeah. it's something satisfying yeah it's satisfying and proof that men are ultimately really childish yeah <laughs> Um, and he spoke about the tracking as well, the tr tracking of these new habits. And we, we spoke about it in a previous episode, that which is record, recorded improves, that which is recorded and reviewed improves exponentially. Um, so tracking the progress that you've made um, is really, really important, you know, whether that's calorie counting, that's a really easy example that comes to my mind because that's something I'm doing at the moment which has been a bit depressing this last couple of weeks because I've been over pretty much every day um, but at least I'm aware of it so that it will sort of default back to to that good system that I that I do have in place um, and then having an accountability partner with that and actually I experienced that this morning where I went um, open water swimming and I didn't feel fantastic and I was chatting to to the um the head lifeguard just before i got in he said you know what, what are you going to do today i said oh it's meant to be five laps today um but if i'm honest i feel like doing three and he went i'm not gonna let you out until you've done um until you've done five and i don't think he would have actually pushed me back in the water if i was too tired to do it um but i ended up doing six um because I had that person standing on the side that I knew was not counting on me to do it. It makes zero difference to his life whatsoever, whether I do um, three, five or six laps. But in my mind, I was then kind of accountable to somebody else. And I wanted to get out of the water and be proud of, of what I've done. Um, yeah. So having that, that person that you tell about your new behaviour, I think is really important. Uh, you know, Tommy, I'm, I'm going to set my workout kit out every morning. And then when I yeah. come home 
go straight to the gym. And because I've told you that, it increases the chance of it being completed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you spoke a little bit about personality type as well. Did you get through this chapter? No, this is the part I haven't read now. So, um, um, if, if I'm honest, it, oh, do you know what? I've, I've, I've listened to the very first bit. She spoke about ocean personality profile, didn't he? The big five personality types openness, um, can't remember the others. That's about as far as I got. Yeah, organised, extrovert, agreeable or neurotic. Um, and I don't think um, I don't think it's that relevant necessarily in terms of like the understanding of the whole picture. Um, but I think understanding of self is very important because we need to build habits around our our personality. You know, if you're um, if you're really disorganised and you have quite a chaotic sort of way of getting through life, um, I can't imagine being one of those people. It stresses me out sometimes when you look at somebody's inbox or their their desk is a mess. Um, yeah, if if you're naturally that way, don't try and create a habit that is completely the opposite. You know, okay. if you want to become organised, that's fine, but do it in really tiny steps because the way you are as a person is important to the way that you form habits and you spoke about it before if you keep falling off the wagon maybe you're on the wrong wagon and his quote was the same water that softens the potato boils the egg now if you're in water you know if, if you get soft in hot water you're in you're in the wrong water like go and put yourself in cold water um and i quite liked that way of thinking that these need to be individualized so although you can have accountability partners and you can listen to podcasts like this it needs to be really deeply personal to you otherwise the the chances of success are, are really reduced yeah yeah i'm just trying to think of some practical examples for that well one was uh, coming out of he was talking about professional sports people or people that have played team sports. So I think this is quite important, you know, for people that are starting jobs, people that are getting a bit older, perhaps have had children. And they were like, yeah, but my fitness, my activity was team sports. Like I've played football three times a week. I played rugby three times a week or whatever it is for 25 years, 30 years. Like this is who I am. I'm, I'm the rugby player. I'm the netball player. So that can be quite damaging when you are no longer able to do those things and you can struggle to reform that as your identity because you've lost that that part of your identity so rephrasing our internal dialogue to be um i'm someone that works hard and enjoys a physical challenge yeah yeah you just remind me of not you just remind me of i think it was an early part of the book but he talked about reframing so like instead of saying i have to cook for the family it was, um, I think he replaced it with, I get to. Yeah. Um, but the, the example which was really striking was he was talking to a person that was in a wheelchair and their mindset was, I'm not um, confined to this wheelchair. This wheelchair gives me the opportunity to go and not be confined. So like yeah. you said, changing that mindset and reframing how you think of things can completely flip it on its head. We actually did that at a previous workplace that I was in, and I think it sort of highlighted how often things do go wrong. So the rule we had in the office was every time something went wrong, you had to cheer. Yeah. So 
you know, if you were carrying a big stack of books and they all ended up on the floor, you celebrated, you were like, yeah, come on. But because you're celebrating, you're not irritated. They both yeah. took the same amount of time, but, and you still had to clear up whatever it was, but you weren't doing it in a negative mindset. You were doing it in a positive mindset. Yeah. So that, yeah, that idea of reframing, I think is brilliant. And particularly with people that are looking to to start exercise, as well as those that are transitioning from one form to another, is to say that I'm the type of person that likes just to be sweaty, that likes to to feel that my heart rate's got up. I think that's a really like val- valid, valuable way to to approach this because you take the the pressure off yourself. You're not saying I'm the... I'm a marathon runner. I'm someone that likes running. End of done. And then whether you run 1k or 42k, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and like over time, you will be the person that enjoys it. I know what it's like at the start of that journey because I went through that myself. I was like, I hate running. I can't run. But you end up in enjoying those sessions, and yeah, just takes time. Yeah. So I think. We've probably covered quite a lot of the book here, um, but for me, the the kind of main takeaway was the the four elements of habit formation, which is cue, craving, response, and reward. And I think if we can understand that everything comes back to that, we can shift our, we can sort of uh, promote our positive habits by increasing those cues that that we see for those positive habits. Uh, we can increase the friction between us and um the the negative habits by you know taking the batteries out of the remote um etc that we spoke about but yeah for me um those four things were were the big takeaway yeah i feel that's a really nice summary as well like they're definitely the two things that i would take forward if i'm trying to create a new habit make it as easy as possible if i'm trying to break a habit make it as um make it as hard as possible to do that thing yeah and I think probably I'll, I'll finish my my section off here and just say that you don't have to go those things alone. If you don't know how to break down a, a topic or a habit or a behaviour, if, you, if you're stuck, ask. You know, you it doesn't need to be a solo effort. You know, that's why we do this episode. That's why we do this this podcast. It's not for money. It's it's to help. So I think I would encourage people to come to us, to, to go to their friends, their family, uh, you know, someone that's been through that process already. Uh, and check in and just see like how did you do it you know because even if that doesn't work for you it, you you now know that that's useful information for you to move forwards with yeah i think that's a perfect summary um and a good place to leave today's episode but so thanks very much for listening um as, as always we'll be back again next sunday with another episode yeah looking forward to it